When was the last time somebody actually walked up to your door, knocked on the door, you answered it, and they got into a conversation about Jesus with you? That ever happened to you before? Well, that may not be the best and most effective strategy. Stay tuned. Table Talk, Covenant Podcast. Good afternoon, good morning, good night, wherever you're at. It's one of those times, I would imagine. So I'm here with Sean Shirley. My name is Kyle Gatton. I'm one of the pastors at Covenant. Uh, This is the post-Memorial Day uh, podcast. And uh, for years, for years, and I I bet you when I say these two letters, Sean Shirley will know exactly what I mean. Sean, when you hear the letters E-E, what does that mean to you? E-E. E-E, yeah. Don't know. Evangelism. Oh. Wait a second. I probably got that wrong. You must have. I must have got that wrong. Uh, Yeah, no, I didn't. I got it right. Evangelism explosion. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Okay. I thought we were getting ready to restart this whole podcast, but now we're not. We're We're good. Okay. Evangelism explosion. That's right. You remember this. Absolutely, I do. How many churches that you were involved with that actually did this? In some form or fashion, everyone but Covenant. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, this uh, literally was uh, a package program, right? It was. Uh, door-to-door stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Cold call stuff. That's right. And uh, it was literally about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it gave you a package format. And, you know, what you did was you you picked a night of the week that you were going to do this, and you all met at the church, and then you got in various cars, and you went in groups of minimum of two, and you went out, and you just picked a neighborhood and knocked on doors. And there's so many out there, so many out there, so many programs. But what it does is this particular curriculum will give you a script of how to introduce yourself and try to bridge that awkward gap of basically saying, hey, my name is Sean. And uh, if you die tonight, do you know where you're going? (laughs) That kind of thing. And that was what everybody thought Mm -hmm. would work. That's right. And, And actually, I was reading some statistics about that form of quote-unquote evangelism, uh, of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there was actually a, uh, there was actually a good success rate of some people making a decision, mm-hmm. but a vast majority of them within, within a year had gone back to the way things right. were, right? It, it was, did not have a, a quote-unquote, lasting uh, influence and lasting impact on people because, in my opinion, it was an emotional-based re- response to that question. If you died and went to, and died, what what, what would happen? Mm-hmm. And so, so many people are scared to heaven. Sure. And so, eventually, that fear goes away. It, it's interesting when uh, I was just going to relate this story that happened to me. I, nobody came to my house. But there was one summer, and I can't remember how old I was, 15, 16, somewhere around there. Uh, me and a guy, his name was Jackson. He was my baseball coach's uh, son that was visiting for the summer. And uh, he and I went and played golf at uh, the Citronelle Municipal Golf Course, which actually has 18 holes, for those of you who are wondering. <laughs> and and so Jackson and I went out there. And if those of you out there play golf know that if you're one or two people, many times they will pair you 
to make a full group of four because things go smoother. You can get more people playing golf, yada, yada, yada. So Jackson and I were paired with uh, two, two students from the University of Mobile. At the time, it was Mobile College. University of Mobile Mobile slash Mobile College is a Southern Baptist and institution. They had eighteen holes. <laughs> so I think we only played nine with them that day. But this this was uh, this was a time in my life where um, language was you know optional, and so during the course of playing golf, um, you know if I shot forty five to fifty shots, uh, over half of them stunk mm-hmm. and and in those shots when they stunk i would let an expletive <laughs> go uh more than once apparently because at the end of our round and again i think it was just nine holes uh so these guys had the canned approach to do you know jesus if you died i mean just exactly what you said it came from it literally came from evangelism explosion right and uh and of course me and me and the other guy politely listened, but then we politely declined and, you know, uh, not ready yet. Something like, like, yeah, but but yeah, not ready. If you died tonight, you know, you better be ready, you know, type, type stuff. So, so I still remember that and thinking, you know, you guys just play golf with us and then you, you throw this at us and I'm going like, is there a better way? And I believe there is a better way. Mm -hmm. And, And that better way involves story. And not somebody else's story. Correct. Yeah. It, it involves my story. And so that's what we want to get into today with you. Uh, this past week, a man who had was possessed by demons in Mark chapter 5 uh, had a story to tell. He was able to tell about, he went from living in a tomb, you know, um, to being quote unquote normal. But then he started sharing Literally, the word says Decapolis, so he was literally sharing with 10 cities about what Jesus had done for him. He wanted to go with Jesus, and, you know, I don't blame him. You know, I would, you know, somebody healed me from these demons and and got my life back to some semblance of normality. Um, I would probably want to hang around with Jesus, too. (laughs) Jesus said, "Uh, no, you need to stay here. And the reason is the people had rejected Jesus. But when this guy went back into his community and started telling his story about meeting Jesus and what Jesus had done with him, uh, we don't get the full story because it was a non-Jewish community, so we don't have a record of that. But when the Scripture says they were amazed, it, it meant at least they had some semblance of who Jesus was. And maybe, maybe in my opinion, that, that, that probably made a difference, and they ended up uh, choosing to believe in Jesus. So um, when we talk about sharing our story, uh, Sean, uh, j- just want to, anything from your history and your experience with the different people that have stood out about sharing your own story versus just repeating a formula, showing a track, stuff like that, anything stick out for you? Yeah. You know, when you're sharing your story with someone, in order for them to pay attention listen and you know at least accept what you're saying you need some sort of credibility they need to know hey i've been there i've been where you are 
That is so, so, so important. And what I have found in my experience, you know, the word discernment comes to mind. You have your story. You have all of the details, everything that has happened in your journey to Christ out of addiction, whatever it is, you know every step and you know every detail. Well, I say discernment because here's here's the thing. People are broken. We're all broken. And their brokenness may not manifest itself the same way that yours does. So using discernment to figure out what details of your story are appropriate and would make the biggest impact on the other person. I'll I'll use this as an example. My wife, she is um, (coughs) years old. When she was 15, I believe it's 15. She'll correct me if I'm wrong. 14, 15 years old. She came to a point in her life where she realized that she was lost. She realized that that sin was leading her straight to death and that she needed a savior. And this transaction happened. And since then, she has been walking with Christ. Now, if you go back and you want to hear her story, she'll tell you that she hit rock bottom, but her story does not have any flashy details, you know, of overcoming uh, you know, overcoming addiction or going to jail and getting out of jail and having this huge turnaround. She does not have that Damascus Road experience. Then, then you look at me and, you know, it took me a little longer to get it. So I have a lot more details in my story than she does. But when you filter all that away, we have the exact same testimony. We were in the in the exact same place. Yes, she was young. And yes, her conversion was legitimate. She knew she needed a savior. So did I. We were both at rock bottom, but some people, they're rock bottom just a little deeper. Thing is about rock bottom, it smells the same. It feels the same. And she experienced the exact same thing that I've experienced. But the details that got us there are very different. And that's that's why the church is such a great place, because of the variety and diversity of the community. It It allows the church to really diversify in the amount of people that we can reach. Uh, One of the principles, uh, well, the principle that I'm talking about in sharing our story is really based on a book called Faith Sharing. This came out many years ago from two two really giants in the Methodist church. And um, Eddie Fox and What's the other guy? I can't read it. George Morris. George Morris. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so that this book has been around a long time, and and they uh, spend a great deal of ink to basically say, just share your story. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's b- the the bottom line. But to share your story is literally to share your story, and so there are people that your wife will encounter, that my wife will encounter that I will not, and, and they will have influence and impact in another person's life where you and I cannot, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and same way with the, some of the circles that, that you're in, mm-hmm. right? You're, you, uh, you like to play music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you like to go to different places to play music. Um, your wife sometimes is nice and goes with you. But majority of the time, she says, have fun. That's exactly ha- have, right. Have a good night. And, and so, because that's not her world. And so if she would go into that type of world and, uh, say, sit at a table with somebody, she probably wouldn't have a whole lot in common. She would not only that, but uh, she would have no impact on whoever she was sitting with because she would be so quiet. You know, she really would. The the interaction would be surface at best. Yeah. Yeah. So here's here's really 
four quick points for you to understand when we're talking, you're talking about sharing your story, sharing your faith story with somebody else. You, you literally need to enter their world. So, so it's not, you don't, you don't come in with established plan, uh, attack plan, or, you know, here's how I'm going to do it. Here's a track for spiritual laws. Here's the Romans road. Here's whatever. We don't, we don't, you just enter their world and start looking, then establish a point of contact with them. So, so obviously if somebody had a similar past to yours, some experiences to yours, you'd probably find out relatively quickly. But if you just simply entered their world for a period of time, uh, spent some time with them, uh, and you can do this really social media, you can do this, the Facebook messengers, text messaging or whatever, you can establish contact with somebody that way. And, and then you just simply are sensitive to their life issues. You're simple. Uh, is, uh, you're sensitive to some of the passages. I use the word passages in, in quotes because uh, passages could literally be divorce, death, change of jobs, uh, moving. Uh, all you know, just there's a lot of stuff that that people go through. Uh, and then understand, believe it or not, the Holy Spirit goes ahead of you, right? With, with all this, and and that's the big deal because we. We talk about, uh, quote-unquote, sharing our faith, but the Holy Spirit's working even when we're not even aware the Holy Spirit is working. Um, and, and so if you, if you can think about these two things, let me reiterate them. Enter their world, establish a point of contact, be sensitive to their life issues or passages, and realize the Holy Spirit goes ahead of, ahead of you. That sort of sets the stage for you to, to share your story. But guess what? You don't share the whole meal, so you're only sharing with what makes um, makes sense in that moment with that person. Okay, uh, so so if this relationship is their uh, point, uh, uh, their life issues, their passages, or whatever, you, then you share about your relationship. You don't you don't talk. They talk about oh, I'm, I'm having a terrible relationship with my spouse. You know, when I got fired from my job, you know, you're not going to, that's not what you do. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So, so you, you understand that. And if, if you're really serious about this and hopefully if you're still listening to this podcast, that you may be mildly at least interested in, okay, how do I share my faith? Um, You're always starting this out with, with prayer anyway, and your own prayer, God opened doors, God opened windows, kick some down. I don't care. God. Just show me, give me the open doors today um, to share. And if you have a particular person in mind, you know, uh, you're some, somebody you've been around a little bit, you know, I don't pretty, I'm pretty sure they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Well, you start praying for the opportunity mm-hmm. and, and then again, enter their world and share your story. All right. Um, all right. So, so we're, Little, little transition point, but uh, any comments so far? Well, I think the uh, you know the most logical next step after everything that you just said, which was you said it so much better than I did, but because uh, I was reading my notes, okay. that's why. <laughs> well, okay. Then you have to be willing and obedient. You have to trust that God will open those doors, and I'm here to tell you from experience, He will open those doors. But then you got to go through. And you and seriously, folks, you I think some people think they have to go through the training from Evangelism Explosion or Four Spiritual Laws Romans. They think that well, I need I need training to do this. I still remember a pa- a pastor down in Florida 
when I was there. His name was uh, McDaniel. He was a pastor at, um, I think, Gateway Baptist Church in Bluntstown. And uh, he said his best person to tell people about Jesus was somebody that had just got saved. And he said, I didn't tell him to do anything. I, I didn't mess him up. I let him go. You know, he didn't say, oh, no, you need to come to these classes or whatever. He said, no, that guy was just simply telling people about what Jesus had done in his life. And it sounds pretty simple, and it is, you know, and, and, it, and it really goes if, if you're somebody that's, um, well, you, you might feel like I'm stepping on your toes here, but so be it. If you're somebody so well, I, I don't know if I can do that. Well, maybe you don't have a story yet. You know, if if you can't say what Jesus has done in your life, then maybe your story has yet to be even started. It technically has been started. God's working in you even now as we speak. But if you can't tell anybody what Jesus has done in your life, then you're missing what the church is about. That's exactly right. That is that's so good because once once you've had that encounter and once Jesus has really shown you who he is and, and and you see what he is doing and what he has done in your life it is very difficult to keep your mouth shut about it. The, the definition uh, that Morrison and um, whatever the, the other guy's name was. Man, that's the one you got uh, last time. Fox and Morris. Yeah. Spreading the gospel of the kingdom of God by word and deed and then waiting in respectful humility and working with expectant hope is their definition for quote-unquote evangelism or sharing your faith. And what, truthfully, I, I can be honest about my own denomination here in the United Methodist Church, that our church for the longest time uh, has been very visible with deeds, but left out Jesus. Because somehow we, we got tied up in uh, the social gospel without bringing Jesus into it. Okay, we, got, we got to protect this person or this group of people. We have to go and provide food, clothing, shelter, which is great, which we, which, which we acknowledged a couple of weeks ago, that if you don't have those basics, nobody's going to listen to you anyway. So, so the, I think the church understood that initially, understood the Maslow hierarchy of needs. Well, you got to you got to meet some physical needs first to earn the right to share um, what what could be a difference maker spiritually. And the church has failed that. Our church, our our denomination has failed that by and large. Um, and and that that's just sometimes that's just the nature of bureaucracy, nature of a denomination. Um, but if if you just simply have good deeds without Jesus, you're the Peace Corps, right? <laughs> That, that's that's all that's all you are because um because we have to have both okay so we have to have both and that and and that means even in our individual relationships with people uh with somebody has a really felt need whatever whatever it is um and and if and if it's physical in nature or something like that they're not going to be open i mean they're not going to be open for you talking to them about jesus you know ser- seriously if somebody's sitting in the hospital you go visit them, and they're in pain, waiting on surgery, right? They're probably not going to be interested to, to hear anything about Jesus can save your soul. That's right. I just don't got pain mm-hmm. in, in the moment, in the moment. So um, I want to just 
just quick, quickly and, and cl- close this out by talking about the community of faith um, and the need for all of us to be those people that share our story. Um, the early church, if you remember uh, in Acts when the early church was growing, what was going on in that early church was they were starting where people were. In that early church, um, because of so many Christians leaving because of the persecution, one of the, one of the quote-unquote felt needs was loneliness. And the church provided that community. And they provided that need, which then allowed them to share the gospel within that community. In that day and time, it, they were also looking for truth because they'd heard it from so many different places um, with the Roman authorities and then the, the Jewish leaders. And, um, and, of course, that was in a polytheistic world, so they were looking for one God. Um, they were looking for um, maybe ethical um, um, morality stuff that was, you know, Back then, there was no ethics. There was no morality. If you search the Corinth, uh, city of Corinth and Ephesus and all this stuff, just just rampant immorality. And then people were concerned about immortality. So those five things, early church, that's what, when you look at the writings of Acts and then Paul's writing, dealt with a number of these things. And so that's how they sh- they were they were meeting those needs by talking about what the difference Jesus can make in those. And that was that community. So what we as a community of faith need to do is, is see where the needs of our community uh, are and, and identify those needs. And again, those needs are diverse uh, as, as many people as we have in our church that are different. Uh, so the needs out there in the world as well. All right. I got a, closing, a couple of closing thoughts. Sean, you know anything? Anything you can think of? Just really quick, I was going to tell of a, a church, um, really small church, 10, 11 people. And for years, at least a decade, they've had pastors come in who obviously they walk in the door and say, okay, we need, we need, we need something. We need to grow. And so they get out. It's a small community. They get out in the community and they, they go knocking on doors and they deliver cookies. And then they would invite them to church. Well, much like I would probably respond, they take the cookies and you never see them again. So fast forward to a current time, they got a new pastor who has a totally different outlook on things. And what he does is he spends his weekends around that church and he pays attention to what's going on in the community because it's one big long road. And so he he's already just figured out where the elderly live and this. And if he sees something, a tree down, they need help. He shows up and he does it. And here's the thing that's interesting. He doesn't say, I'm the pastor down the road. He just says, hey, my name's so-and-so. I drove by and saw this was going on. Let me help you. And he has reached the community in that way through relationship. And then they find out, they figure out over time, hey, this guy's the pastor up here at the church at the end of the road. To date, they're running about 65 people, and they're from their community. And it is, uh, it's a beautiful thing to see, to see people out serving and uh, and really with really with no agenda, not not hey I'm gonna do this for you, but then I need you to listen to me for thirty minutes. None of that. And, and that 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 leads to my closing comments that no matter who you are, where you are, if if you have this sharing your faith not in the back of your mind but in the front of your mind, um, then you will understand these points. Okay, 
that no encounter is wasted, much like your, your pastor friend up, up north to here. And you take every person in every environment seriously. And then you, you make invitational statements, not questions. You just make some statement, which is really a leading statement, but you're not really asking a question because a lot of people don't like to be asked specific questions. Hey, if you die tonight, or you, know, you, don't want to, you don't want to do that. You just engage them in their environment, take it seriously, and then make invitational statements. All right? And um, don't be afraid to expose your own vulnerability. Okay, don't pretend to be vulnerable. You expose your own vulnerability, and and tell and other tell other people the why and what of what you believe. And I'm gonna end with that because simply, if you cannot explain the why and what of you what the why and what of what you believe and who you believe in, back to the drawing board, <laughs> uh, back to the beginning, and. Um, and let's start rewriting the story at this point with Jesus at the forefront. Well, we thank you for your time uh, today. Oh, by the way, pigs did die. So we did, did want to mention that, that pigs did die this week, about 2,000 of them. They did, and that's just, that was just in time for uh, the big holiday Monday where everybody was grilling. And I had some pork spare ribs, by the and way. I had pork chops. There you go. So. Pigs died, and we're thankful. Thankful they did because they were delicious. All right. All right. Next, uh, this next June, uh, first Sunday in June, we're starting a Stranger Things series. And no, it's not going to be as dark as the Stranger Things series on Netflix. It's just going to be some weird stories uh, in the Bible. Some you've heard before, maybe a different slant on some of the other ones, but maybe you'll learn something new. Uh, about uh, about some of these weird stories in the Bible. And we hope you join us again. Each week, Monday, we drop the uh, sermon. And then on Thursdays, uh, what you're listening to right now, we drop that on Thursday mornings too. Um, we thank you. God bless you. Have a great week.